Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 90 for Monday, November 14th, 2016. folks and welcome to gig gab the working musicians podcast by for and about working musicians here in durham new hampshire i'm dave hamilton here in las gatas california it's paul kent how you doing today mr kent doing pretty good dave how are you on this post-election version of uh, of gig gab uh well the weather's beautiful outside it's uh it's a great <laughs> fall day and i'm sick and tired of reading about politics on facebook <laughs> i tell you man it is out of hand <laughs> You know, you wonder is, you know, is it going to be like this until, right? You know, is it? Well, it's the, the first, you know, it's it, regardless of the outcome. I don't think it would be any different today. I think we'd still be like, I, like in my mind, I I had this, this thought like, okay, the election will happen. We'll have like a day of debrief and then, and then, you know, and then we're back to business as usual. Um, I, I don't think that that's, I mean, clearly that hasn't happened yet. And despite the fact that the outcome was a surprise to to many, many people, um, I don't think uh, I don't think that's the reason that we're continuing to talk. I think it would have happened anyway. Um, this is the first, you know, the first election that we've had, the first big one that we've had since Facebook really kind of, it, you know, had become entrenched in the not just the 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 technorati, but, you know, the yeah. the, the, the great unwashed, right? The masses, yeah. the masses. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I don't think people like, and, and now we're, you know, we're, we're not having gig gab, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> well, no, it's, it's interesting, right. As, as someone who's been online since I was like 14 or something, I mean, and, and I'm not 14 anymore. That was many decades ago, but, um, you know, you, you learn over time how to deal with like discussion groups and forums and, and, and they're just kind of, you know, an etiquette developed. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. That went Out away. Window. Yeah. Like, right. It, there was a, I mean, there was always somebody that could get in your way or whatever, but for the most part, until Facebook sort of was handed to everyone, that etiquette was pretty firmly rooted. Uh, and in, again, just among the technorati, the only people that really cared to spend any time on internet forums or chat rooms or any of those things. And, uh, and, and it was self-policing. That's the, right. It, well, that's how that happened. Right. You, everybody was a, a jackass initially or, or not everybody, but you saw one, even if, if, whether or not it was you sort of was irrelevant and you realized, Oh, Smack him down. yeah. If you get smacked down and this, that, and the other thing. And now, yeah, it's this weird vigilante culture that doesn't really, it like self-polices, but that causes it to escalate, not to, not to diffuse. So, yeah, it's um, it's just a learning process. You know, um, I've always said that every bit of technology comes with a, uh, you know, as it as it gets introduced into our into our society, every bit of technology has to go through this this sort of, you know, mismanners process. And the, I, I have no doubt the same thing happened when vehicles were introduced. Right. We had to figure out how to deal with those. And, oh, we should have some rules about these. Hey, good idea. We don't want people running into each other. So let's slow them down or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, that's all sort of naturally happened. And for the most part, we have a, an infrastructure uh, now that we've all accepted 
cell phones and and you know facebook and all of that texting texting well yeah there's the whole concept yeah that that is a new thing and we're going through the process of okay what is and isn't acceptable with these new things and you know like texting while driving i don't know what you have in california but we've got a law here that's like insanely strict about it yeah and and that's good i think but it like we had to we had to have some bad things happen to get us there. So it's the same kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, all right, I'm just going to ignore it for now. All right. So check it out. I can't engage. <laughs> I'll, pull, I'll pull the conversation back to gig gap. So thank you. I played two gigs this week. I played one um, on Thursday night and then I played one on Sunday. And I will say there was a palpable reckoning when people got into the room. Yeah. If they were Facebook friends of yours and you knew which side of the fence they were on. There was a palpable reckoning of it. And so I, I and for one, I can't decide whether this is, you know, good for music or bad for music, whether the, the happy people are going to celebrate and go out and listen to music and the sad people are going to go out and drown the sorrows and listen to music. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure how music benefits from this, but uh, I'm fairly confident music will go on. The other thing that uh, is kind of interesting. So, so again, in, in this kind of semi palpable sense, I played, uh, I got out my 12 string guitar for the first time in a long time, which is a, a whole interesting discussion itself. And I played uh, Tom Petty's Won't Back Down, which uh, didn't introduce it, didn't set it up, just played it, right? Sure, yeah. And I had a couple of people, one person clapped, a couple of people nodded their heads, a couple of people gave the eye, you know, but I just played the song and you leave it out there. Yeah, you just leave it, it leave it for what it is, yeah. And that's it. I, I mean, and maybe this is the thing, you know, I, I think often – we in the semi-professional, sort of professional realm of music, we feel like, okay, we've got the stage and, and uh, you know, we should say something. I don't think we should say something. I mean, I, I just don't think, you know, our opinion, you know, I think it's a little bit different when the, when the Beyonce's and Springsteen's, you know, when they want to use their, their hard-earned audience for something they feel. And my wife and I have this this vast difference about this, like entertainers should just entertain. And yeah. I hear that quite a bit. So many people feel that. Sure. I don't necessarily listen to it. I somewhat more um, admire that someone says, you know, I'm willing to put my reputation out there for something I believe in, which is kind of what you want from your artists, I think. And yeah. then the, you, you draw that line down, but it's not something people want from their bar bands. Mm-mm. I agree with that. Yeah. The, the, um, the closest thing that I've had, uh, to what you described was I had a gig on the Friday after nine 11 and I was actually stuck in Texas on, on nine 11. Right. Yeah. You said that. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I made it back. I was on one of the first like hundred flights that actually went in the air. I almost drove back, but I made it my goal by like that, that Wednesday evening. I was like, I can't just keep waiting around in Texas. I was supposed to fly back the morning of nine 11 and, and thankfully, um, didn't get on a plane uh, from Texas because otherwise I would have been stranded somewhere or uh, obviously possibly much, much worse. Uh, but I made it my goal to get to this gig. And I and so I, I remember that gig and it wasn't just me that was happy to be there. This was a club that we used to play fairly regularly. And there was always it was kind of in a bedroom community just outside of this town that was a dry town. So it, it would always bring people in. And, and this was down in Connecticut. It was a club called Georgetown Saloon. And, uh, but it was always like, you know, uh, 40 plus, you know, 40 something plus clientele people weren't, people were appreciative, but you didn't get a lot of dancers or anything. It was just more laid back. And man, that night, 
the dance floor was packed all night long. People were, you know, it was just like, it, it, it was cathartic for everyone that was there. People just needed a release, something happy to happen. Um, and that's a, that's very different from, you know, what happened here where, the, you know, there's, there's clearly a, a divide. Yeah. That, there was very, uh, it, in that room that night, there was no divide. Right. It, you know, especially, I mean, when that was, we were what, maybe a 45 minute ride to New York city. So, you know, it was, it was extremely palpable for, for everybody there. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a good release that, that kind of thing. And so I, th- and I think that's what, what entertainment Certainly from the standpoint of a bar band, you know, being a weekend warrior, your job is to entertain and it's to entertain everybody yourself. And in addition to the crowd, it's just a release. It's a good time and, and go out and do that. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, well, I I don't, I don't disagree with you. I I felt I needed to play something. Sure. Just kind of cleanse my own mind. I didn't need to chastise anybody. I didn't need to praise anybody. I didn't need to do anything. So no setup. I just wanted to get a little bit about me. Yeah. You know, and, and I, you know, for me, it it's somewhat. And without this, see, I mean, if, if I was there, I probably would have noticed, oh, that's an interesting choice to start with. As, as you said, some people <laughs> did. Right. But but a lot of people aren't. It's just I mean, that's a song that isn't uh, attached to any one thing. Right. So it's just a song. And I've played. Actually, I'm sure I played that that night at the Georgetown Saloon because it was a song we played every night in the responders. Uh, sure. Right. You know, so it's just a song and people can interpret it any way they choose to. And that includes the musician on stage that chose when to play it Yeah. <laughs> again, without, you know, without a preach, uh, a preachy moment before or after it, it's just a song and you can interpret it however you want. And that's sort of the beauty of it. I think, I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. All right. So now what do we got to talk about here, Paul? So I wanted to tell you, um, I, I, uh, I'm oh, actually, do show. I, do, I do have one thing it, it, you were, you were saying, I'm sorry to, to throw it to you and then, and then interrupt you, you asked what this election meant for musicians. And I, I really firmly believe that, um, as more and more states adopt recreational marijuana as a legal thing, I really believe that 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, wow, that was a really good thing for live music. Mm-hmm. I really do. And in fact, having, there's no smoking laws in places. No, I know. Yeah, but people can eat, get their edibles and eat them or, you know, whatever it is. And, and I certainly noticed that out out west that you're it, there was that music in the park thing. And, you know, it was like maybe 45 minutes before the band took the stage. Everybody you look around, there's 5000 people there and everybody's handing out their little cookies and all their stuff. It's like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, and, and, and of course it's not technically not, not recreationally legal out in, in California, but, but certainly, you know, you have one of the, the loosest medicinal laws in the country and, and obviously all that's changing now anyway, cause you voted it in, but not, I'm not saying you did necessarily, but, um, but you know, as a state you did. So I, and I, I really believe that that's going to make a big difference. We have two States around us, Maine and Massachusetts that just passed it too. um, because that's the, they work by referendum, so same kind of thing. I think. So I think people the net net from view from a million feet up. Yep, is that people will loosen up a little bit. Their anxieties in life might melt a little bit, and they'll be a little bit more willing to go out and have a good time. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's a it. I've always thought beer, sports, pot, music, right? I mean, that's like the the if if I could pick what kind of crowd to have in front of me at a gig, I'd much rather that they be the stoned crowd than the drunk crowd, mm. and. uh it, I mean, because I've experienced both and it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's much better. It's much better. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think that's well, going to be a good thing. 
We'll track that and report we'll back. Do, that's right. Yeah, that's we'll we'll have to start start. Um, do we start drug testing our crowds? Is that how we do this? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, save me now, Paul. All right. Yeah. Off we go. All right. So, um, yeah, I just have felt compelled that I wanted to do something, and, I, and I've been kind of sharing over the last couple of weeks that. I've given up on a couple gigs where I'm background music in a, in a restaurant. And, you know, I've questioned myself whether I'm being too picky with my gigs and whether I'm, you know, giving up good work. Um, but, you know, it's just really hard. You know, a lot of the when I do solo acoustic shows, I spend a lot of time on songs that have a lot of touch and nuance and, you know, a lot of you know, like softer finger picking or songs that are like particularly meaningful. And it's really, really difficult to for me to hang in there with a lot of this music that I feel pretty passionate about um, that I've worked on pretty hard, you know, to try and play it over the clanking of glasses and plates and, you know, people screaming at each other and, and, uh, or toasting each other, whatever it may be. So, you know, I've been pickier with my solo acoustic stuff. I have a good time with the stuff that I do, you know, with acoustic madness, the trio, that's, you know, really fun. That's almost like a rock band. I mean, that, that right. band actually plays pretty loud and sings pretty loud and, and uh, plays, you know, some pretty aggressive classic rock just acoustically. But my acoustic stuff is like my, my other side from playing in the house rockers, which is a big loud band. And it's stuff that is again, very nuanced. The guitar playing is fairly nuanced. The, the songs that I tend to gravitate towards um, are stories that I like. So, I felt that I wanted to do something, you know, a, a, a little bigger. Um, we don't have a good coffee house scene here. We don't have a lot of places where you can go and and, uh, and do a show at a coffee house. There are a couple of them that, you know, that like open mics. Uh, there's one really good one in Mountain View, California, but they are very, very specific about original music. And so, you know, and good. They're supporting music. So sure. Well, and that. it keeps them from having to pay licensing fees to ASCAP and BMI. There you, there you go. Yeah. Um, so I've decided, you know, no surprise, I'm going to do an evening of uh, Springsteen acoustic music. Um, I found a really nice uh, venue that's in this area. It seats a little bit more than 100. Um, nice stage, nice lights, nice sound system. Um, and I'm going to do two, two plus hours of solo of Springsteen stuff, acoustic stuff, um, which is something I'm obviously really passionate about. And, you know, it's been kind of fun for me to start the process of, you know, whittling down the hundreds of songs I like. Sure. The, the many dozens of songs I know and think about, you know, how to do it and not, you know, I, I kind of want to, I got inspired by it. I kind of want to do a little bit more than just play two hours. I kind of think there might be some enjoyment, entertainment, you know, raise someone's mind, not to get on stage and preach about, you know, why he's, I think he's great, but more just kind of talk about how the songs touch me and, you know, you know, certain lines and certain songs and just, you know, make it an evening. I think I'll, again, it's a little bit more than 100 people in seats. I think I'm pretty much good for 50 to 70 tickets. I'm pretty sure there must be 30 Springsteen fans around here that's going to hear that there's a, 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 yeah. an evening of Springsteen music that'll you know buy the rest of the tickets. And so I'm just starting to put the plan. I'm going to do it April 1st. Um, I'm, I've been pretty inspired, you know, like writing like these little vignettes about introducing sections of the songs or grouping the songs together and why I did it the way I did it. I, uh, I would like to have one or two songs uh, of his that he wrote on piano and just do solo piano and me singing is oh. uh, another thing that I want to do. Do you play piano uh, too? I, I'm not, I, I'm going to spend the time getting my harp chops up to where they need for, for performance level. So um, I play enough to fool myself around with chords on sure. a piano sure, and I can get two hands going, but um, 
but not enough to really feel confident to relax and not be focusing on the piano playing as opposed to the singing. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd rather just have, you know, a really good player. So you'll have someone else on stage with you. That was my question. Was it? Yeah. It's just, not just, just for one ball. or two songs. Yep. Yeah. Just for one or two songs. Yeah. But, um, and now, you know, starting to conceive a marketing plan, trying to get a poster together, working with a few different titles for the evening, talking to a few people about opening the show. So it's a three hour thing, figuring out what the ticket price is going to be. Um, you know, all of the things you think about when you four wall an event. So well, I've got a so, venue. So that's the that's the part that I think is important, you know, as we go through this here is, I mean, you you initially talked about the, the, the art side of it, I'll say. Right. You know, where you're, you, you've decided what the event's going to be and then you uh-huh. have to narrow down the songs and all of that stuff. It doesn't end there. You know, it's the, the if you build it, they still won't come. Right. You you have to do the things that get people in the door and you have to think about all of those things. And right. and so this, this is important. Yeah, it's you're maybe maybe halfway there, but probably not even once not you even half the songs. There. Right. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. yeah. So, and the artistic part of it is just a joy. You know, of it's course. Just right. Very, very cathartic, you know, to kind of you know, think through these things and imagine how people will, will react to them. But there's the hard work and the drudgery work of, you yeah. know, like I said, you know, coming up with you know some creative work for it, you know, figuring out what I want to charge for it, figuring out where my reach is going to be. Everything's easy when it's easy, right? Like if you, if you have, <laughs> have space for a hundred and you know, you can get a thousand, you can make a lot of mistakes and it doesn't matter, but I'd really like to be good at this because it would be good and again, the house rockers have four-walled a couple things in a couple ways. Um, but if I can do this for my acoustic solo stuff, and then I can do it three or four or five times a year, that A, it'll be a better payday. B, it'll continue to be very, you know, if this takes the place of some of those restaurant gigs, very happy for oh, me. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, because that's more, it's it's definitely going to be more enjoyable for you. Yeah. But I I do like, I'm not, I don't want to overthink it, but there is a level of polish and professionalism. I'm, you know, like, you know, we've said many times, like when you rehearse a song and it's not perfect when you rehearse it, but you go, oh, I've got it. You know, it'll be fine when I play it. Yeah, that's the that's a hurdle I want to get over. I, I'm going to play this show over and over and over and I'm going to workshop certain parts of it, you know, in, in smaller audiences in different places. Sure. And, and really get it to a, a point where it is you know, something I can feel very proud of, but also, you know, that is representative of, of I would say, professional entertainment. Yep. Well, and that's something that, you know, when you're doing and, it, you know, makes me think we should get Dave Bruniak back on to talk about how crazy things have gotten for them as a tribute band. He's the guitar player now in yeah. in uh, Pink Talking Fish. I, I, ironically, though, I saw him post something. I think this winter he's doing a couple of acoustic guitar nights. I think one night he's doing just fish music, but it's just him. And I, and I think another night I forget what else he's doing. It might be Springsteen. To be perfectly honest with you, no, I think so. I, I'll have to look, but but you know he they do uh, like a lot of this stuff. And when you're doing the difference between a cover band and a tribute band, it, well, one of the differences is your ability to truly market to a segment, right? Trying to market your generic and and don't take don't take this the wrong way, anybody, but your generic cover band. There's nothing that distinguishes you, or maybe you have to dig hard to find something that distinguishes you. But otherwise, on the surface, you're a generic cover band, right? Um, when you're doing a tribute act like this, either, you know, acoustic or full band, it doesn't matter. You already have that thing that distinguishes you, uh, you know. And like you said, 
You've got to be able to bring in 30 people that like Bruce Springsteen that have no idea who Paul Kent is. My guess is if you worked at it and found the right way to market it, you could find a lot more than 30 people that know who Bruce Springsteen is. Right. <laughs> yeah. And 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 so you've got this potential to to be um, to the, the I feel like the upper limit of something like this is much higher than it would be for. You know, Paul, the guy who goes out and sometimes plays Springsteen and sometimes plays The Cure and sometimes plays Tom Petty. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with that, except that it's, you know, it it, it makes it generic in its own way. It's an exercise in raising the bar in all ways. It's in an all exercise ways. in raising. Yeah. It's not just the music has got to be perfect, but also that you've got to have your act together in terms of the packaging and the product and all that type of stuff. And in that, that you have to raise the bar in all ways. Yeah. It's a good exercise. I've been thinking, you know, the house rockers aren't playing a ton right now. You know, we're, I'm sitting, hmm. you know, I've had a couple of weekends off entirely and, and, uh, and I'm watching all my friends have these gigs and, and um, I'm non, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, ugh. and so my mind starts going, you know, fairly competitive guy. Like you are like, you know, you're like, all right, you know, I'm going to have to do something to really up our game. The house rockers. Yeah. And it, it, I'm saying it, it, this goes for me personally. And again, the house rockers, you know, had a wonderful year. We've been so fortunate and all that type of stuff. But when you have a little time to reflect and you get that little bit of competitiveness in, and if you're a creative person and if you're a driven person, all these things kind of kick in when you're idle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, no. I, it, what did it, I, it's been two weekends that I've had off. Right. Since, uh, since bitter pill ended, you know, and of course, bitter and you were exhausted. I was exhausted when Bitter Pill ended, right? And I, I was, I mean, I was sad that it ended, but I was happy that it ended. I mean, let's not, you know. Uh, then three days later, I went and saw, there's a, a, a movie out, or was out, I guess it's coming out on DVD now, but we went to the theater. Lisa Lucas, my son and I, um, went to the theater and saw this movie about Rush called Time Stand Still. And, uh, and it's, you know, all three of us big Rush fans, so it was, you know, a nice night out, but it was horribly sad because... The movie really made it clear that they're done for the most part. I would be surprised if they even recorded another album, to be honest. It, the door is open. They haven't said it's over. It's over. But, they, you know, they're done. And and part of that is because their music's really hard to play and they're getting old and their bodies can't do that as much. And they don't want to dwindle on stage. They want to go out where they feel they're on top. And and I get that, but it also, as a Rush fan, makes me sad. So that was Thursday night after we finished Bitter Pill on Monday and loaded out till like three in the morning. So that's <laughs> Thursday night. It's probably the first night that I started to feel like a human again, right? After, you know, all this. And then Friday, I'm sitting around the house going, huh, is it time to start a Rush tribute band? You know, this music has to be heard. Yeah. And there is, there's a, there's a good one around here called Lotus Land down in, in Massachusetts. And they, they, I mean, they're. They've been around for a while. They do great work. Um, they don't play around here all that much. So, I mean, there's a mar there's an opportunity here. But, you know, as I said, that music's not easy. It's like, all right, well, it's going to be a lot of work. I need to find people that are like 100 percent committed to that if I was going to do it, because you can't try to drag someone into no, 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 that no, kind of thing. No, no. It's just I, maybe it's heartbreaking you could. to do that. No, you can't because I, yeah. your expectation of the nuance of it, if someone isn't listening with the same ears for that Correct. type of nuance, that, you know, those individual Unless moments. they're just like a crazy pro. I, you know, I feel like somebody might be out there where you say, hey, man, we're doing a rush thing. All right. Well, uh, let me take a couple albums home. I, 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 I've never heard of these guys before, you know, and then comes back and totally nails it. I, that's possible, but probably not for the money that's going to be involved initially. 
<laughs> that that person's going to probably be out there playing anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just got to be passionate people and, and doing it for the fun of it. In addition to, you know, like like we were saying, the bars raised. So, yes, I totally get what you mean about all. Well, it doesn't take much time off to start, you know, getting antsy and like, huh, would that be do I really want to tackle that right now? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So I'll report back in from time to time about, you know, what parts of this project and kind of share what I'm learning and what I'm thinking about. I mean, you know, we've talked about the Facebook marketing aspect of it and, you know, my moderate satisfaction is about as far as I'll go with using Facebook as a way to spread the word. And, yeah. Uh, or sell, t- actually not spread the word, sell tickets. Sell tickets. That's it's a very different thing. A very, very different thing. Yeah. Facebook's actually fairly good at spreading the word. People will see that something is happening. Yes. But the call to action part of it, because there's so many, you know, calls to click on things and, you know, it's a it's that's a much harder thing. You know, having been in the event business for much of my adult life, the act of selling something where it requires somebody's body going from point A to point B is much different than selling a pair of shoes on a website. It's a it's a very. Yeah, Yeah, you have to you have to take off your pajamas and put on big boy (laughs) pants in order to go out. At least sure. at least maybe until we get the crowd of stoners and then and then maybe the pajamas at a gig is is OK. I don't know. You know, I don't care if, if I'm at a, if I'm playing on stage, you you wear whatever you want in the crowd. I, pajamas is fine by me. I don't care. It's your old it's your old jam band guy coming out. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and that's that's the experience where we had like the stoners. Um, we did it. We did a couple of shows where we rented a hall. We four walled the gig um, while we were on the road. And uh, most of the kids that were coming out were underage, but they didn't seem to have any trouble finding weed in the middle of Pennsylvania or wherever we were. So um, that place reeked, but, uh, (laughs) but they were two good, really, really good shows, Uh, you know, great crowds. And uh, from what you can remember, (laughs) uh, well, other than contact high, I, you know, I tend to play gigs pretty sober. So, um, so yeah, but it, um, they were good gigs. The band played really well. And we did them with another band that was from the area local. And was, you ever played not sober? Have I ever played not sober? Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened. In fact, the, um, the, the, one of my mo- most memorable, if that's the right word for it, uh, moments of not playing sober was with you. Uh, not recently. <laughs> uh, it was in San Francisco. It was a, a Macworld all-star band gig, but it was not, uh, not Cirque du Mac. So pre Cirque du Mac, I think it was at, was it Lone Star Saloon, the 11th chapter saloon? What was it oh, called? Oh yeah. Yeah. Across town. Um, yeah, it was somewhere. Last, last, last day saloon. Last day saloon. Right. So yes, we got there, we set up early and then we went out to have food. Um, and we went and had pizza and I had a couple of beers at dinner as we all did. And then we got back to the club and we got back to the club relatively early. I think the party started at like eight or nine. We were back there by like eight, you had this grand idea that you, me and Chris Breen should have some tequila. So we had, we had tequila three times, I think still had beers going, beers going. We didn't hit the stage till 11 o'clock and there wasn't much to do hanging out in a bar. And I don't know why the the doors opened. This is why we created Cirque du Mac because we didn't like these weird parties that were sort of about the band, but not really. So yeah, we had to just wait around for everybody to chit chat and chit chat and chit chat for hours and hours. And then finally we played. And uh, yeah, I remember walking up on stage and I do remember walking up on stage, but um, I, you know, I was very tipsy and I'm like, Oh crap. Eight days a week is the first song on the set list. I sing that one. Okay, here we go. And I think the gig went fine, but you know, 
I, I don't I remember it not being fun. I remember we had one band member who, you know, emerged from a cloud of smoke and that was at that club. That's yeah, right. The, the fog of San Francisco. The fog. <laughs> 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 yeah. I had told, I had that part. I had, uh, I had not recalled until just now. Yeah. 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 Good times. It was. Yeah. And it was fine. But I, like I said, I just, I don't prefer it. I, I'd rather have my faculties well, and my wits. It's downtime is what gets you. I mean, we, the house rockers had a gig one time where, a corporate gig where, and, and it was far away. So, you know, it was two or three hour drive. Yeah. Uh, and we had a sound check at three and we didn't play until 10 or something like that. And so there was nothing to do. And, you know, <laughs> that's we the problem. Lost a, yeah. We lost a couple soldiers. <laughs> 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 yeah, it happened. You know, and this is, this is actually a good conversation because I've, I, I've thought about this over the years. Like we, we haven't had the conversation of what happens when you or someone in your band has gone too far. and, you know, my feeling on on people who choose to use substances on stage or off, quite frankly, is as long as you're an adult, uh, do whatever you want to do, uh, you know. But uh, if you can't, you got to keep yourself. You have to be able to do the job that you're here to do yep. regardless. And and hopefully, you know that. And yes, we all understand that there are those times when time is your enemy, like, you know, the scenario I just described and we're all there. And, you know, I feel like everybody gets one of those, you know, occasionally it happens. But if I've got somebody that I'm in a band with or really doing anything with where whatever substances they're using uh, or or not getting enough sleep, I mean, any of that stuff, if they're showing up unable to to do a gig or to do their job at the gig, you know, and that happens more than once. And it's like, all right, man, we got to talk. Like we're all doing the work here. We get that this happens sometimes, but sometimes is all the times. And that's bad. You know, yeah, all yeah. The times happen. that's, I mean, that's my feeling a, on it. You it's know, a team I, sport. So if you one guy down, it's you're, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't expect people to make the same decisions I make. Um, but at the same time, I expect that whatever decisions you make when you get on stage, you can play. That and that, you know, I, and honestly, I've played with guys that if they're not high or or had a couple of beers in them or whatever it is, cannot play. The whole state dependent learning thing is a real deal. Kids, I don't recommend you go down the state dependent learning path because it, it could it could hurt you. But I definitely there was there was a guy. One of the guys I was on the road with was uh, if if he didn't have weed, man, it, he had a problem. We had a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, tough dependency. It, it, yeah, it's any kind of dependency. But it, well, I'm just saying it, it, that someone has a dependency. That's right. Is a tough situation. It's for a t- yeah, it's a tough situation. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, again, I you know, it's like be responsible, take care of yourself, get yourself. You know, hopefully, you know, people can drive themselves home after gigs, and like, I mean, there's a whole big package of it all. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting though. I say, it sounds like you, you and I are kind of in sync on that in terms of, yeah. you know, do what you want, but the, the, the product is the most important thing. That's it. Yeah. Not, not the happiness of the, of, of the players. I mean, yeah. you know, and hopefully when you formed a band, you have picked wisely, mm-hmm. right? You know, that, that's the time to figure it out. If it shows itself later, hopefully the guy who's the leader has set a, his expectations up front. And like you said, you know, they're in a creative endeavor. There's a little bit of, fudge room for understanding you know that this could happen right you know but i'm sure some leaders are like this can't happen right oh yeah 
there, there some gigs where like, listen, I bust my butt to get this gig and I want to get paid and I want to come back. And if it's not the product I promised somebody, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to get what I want out of this. So, you know, like many things, it's all in the communication. So when you're a leader and you're picking people in a band, you set your expectations for what's cool with that. Yep. And, uh, when, when, when I was in, when I was on the road with hypnotic Clambake, um, Maury, the leader told us before, before we left, we were doing rehearsals. He's like, Oh yeah, by the way, guys, uh, for those of you that haven't played with me before, uh, no beer, no alcohol before we play. You can drink afterwards. He's like, I don't, you know, whatever you want to do, it's fine. He's like, but this band, we're playing fast stuff. Everything's like right on the money. And he's like, I find people get sloppy when they drink. So we just have a rule. No drinking during the gig. Yeah. I was like, okay. Which again was fine. Just be clear about it. That's it. You're signing up for it. That's right. You got it. Yep. And it was like, okay. And there might've been, I I don't know. I I remember there were, you know, nights where it like, you know, we might've had dinner before and somebody had a beer or whatever, and it was fine, but it was like still for the most part, the respect of, okay. Yeah. No alcohol during the gig. It's, you know, and it makes sense. He, you know, he had a reason for it. He wasn't open to negotiation on it, but you know, he didn't, that's okay. It's his band. And it was it was fine. If you had a yep. real issue with it, well, we'll Wrong find band. somebody else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah. Hey, yeah. before we wrap up today, I want to give a little plug. Our friend Robert Berry, who was a, a guest on the show, yeah, he's starting performing around the country with his band called December People, which is a really interesting project. It's it's um, holiday music set to classic rock and done very like you know there's there's um, Gary Peel from from Boston is in the band. Um, guys who play in the Tubes are in the band. I mean, it's really top notch players. Wow! And the show is fantastic. I mean, like totally pro sound, totally pro lights. The singing is just top notch. And uh, he plays. They play a lot in California, but they do do shows other places in the country. It's really a fabulous thing. Some of the shows they do are for good causes, you know, around the holidays, uh, helping people who need help. So uh, check out December people. And uh, and see if they're coming to a town like, b- near you somewhere between now and the first of the year. It's, it's a great show. Very, very innovative and, and clever um, uh, mixing of holiday tunes and classic rock. And again, playing is playing and singing is phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, I remember when he was on the show and he was talking about that. I was like, man, I want to go see that. But it doesn't cool. look like they're coming anywhere near me. So I uh, and I don't think I'm going to be out there. But if I was, I'd, I'd, I'd make it a, a point of seeing it. So. We'd go together. Yeah, we would. Yeah. That's all I got for today. Next week, I want to talk about taxes. Uh, We had a a listener question and it's time. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if you have any questions about taxes uh, or any thoughts about taxes, managing them uh, either as a band leader or as a as a musician, uh, you know, please send them along. We will uh, preface the next show by saying we're not accountants. So you got to run everything through your accountant. And with that in mind, we'll throw out every bit of advice we can possibly get because we're not responsible for any of it. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds good. 90, 90 episodes. Almost finished. We're bearing down. Yeah. We're bearing down on a hundred. I don't know. We have to do something special for the hundredth. We will. Yeah. 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 All right. I'll start thinking about it. We'll, yeah, we'll find something interesting Boom. to do. Yeah. That'll be good. All right, folks. Thanks so much. Have a uh, have a splendid week, Paul. Always be performing. performing. performing.